And welcome back, Jays fans, to a brand new week of the 1620 The Jays podcast, brought to you by Barry Law. I'm John Bishop, and Connor Happer and Josh Peterson will be joining me, and this week we've got a variety-packed show. Connor's going to take us around the Big East Conference and analyze the race for first place as the Jays find themselves just a game back of the loss column. Four teams in the hunt right now, Xavier, Marquette, Providence, and the Blue Jays, so he will run that down here in just a little bit. We will also talk with Tom Lilly, who just set a milestone victory last weekend in women's tennis. Lilly, who has been Creighton's tennis coach for a quarter century, became just the fourth Blue Jay head coach in any sport to get 500 career victories. We will talk to him about his season on both the men's and the women's side of the net. And coming up, we will have a chance to hear from Lauren Jensen. Jensen, who is one of Creighton's leading scorers on this year's women's basketball team. She's been in double figures in virtually every game but one this year. We will hear from Lauren here this week on the 1620 The Jays podcast. And the podcast is brought to you each and every week by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit barrylawfirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need. At Barry Law, we are in it to win it. And now here's Josh Peterson. All right, John, thank you so much. We welcome back onto the pod for the second time this season. Lauren Jensen, a junior, fresh off of a victory on Wednesday night over DePaul. Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. How, how do you feel that the season has gone for you so far individually? And, and how do you feel about the team overall, 15 and 6, 9 and 4 in Big East play? Yeah. Um, individually, I feel like it's gone pretty well. You know, I've had my moments where I feel like I um, could have been better and um, all of that, but that, you know, that's typical, but overall, I feel like I'm playing pretty well. And um, I feel like the team is doing well too. You know, we had a little bit of a rough patch at the, um, in December, beginning of January, but we're playing well now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to ask you about that stretch of basketball um, because we've talked about it quite a bit on on the podcast. We've talked about it on the broadcast this season, dropped out of the polls. Since then, though, you've won six of seven. I guess, what do you think was happening in the moment? Was it was it travel? Was it the opponents that you were playing? And I guess, how did you kind of reverse course to, to find yourself where you're sitting now? Um. Yeah, you know, I feel like a lot of it was, I mean, we are playing tough teams teams that stretch in there we lost to Arkansas um which they were top 25 um and then Stanford UConn um and then I'm pretty sure I think it was DePaul after that we beat them first time and then we lost to Providence um which wasn't our best game but um honestly like once like after all those losses and stuff, we like met as a team and kind of like talked through some stuff. We actually met with our sports psychologist on staff. And after that, like we really started to play better. And I feel like that was honestly kind of the turning point for it all. Uh, the other night, Lauren, you had 19 points. You shot better than 50% uh, versus DePaul. It was an interesting one, you know, obviously getting ready for on the call with the depth issues that they had because of those injuries. And then the run happens 
in the second quarter. Well, I guess what was going on in that and, and how did you, uh, you and your teammates kind of reverse course? Cause after that, I thought you guys did a great job at kind of stiff arming them and, and never letting them any closer than six points. Yeah. Um, you know, when we play to Paul, Flan always says that obviously you have to play, you know, 40 minutes every game, but it's especially true at the Paul, um, because they, have a lot of sessions, so they take a lot of shots. Um, and they could be cold two minutes, but then be hot the next five. And so um you can see a 15-point lead kind of close pretty quick when you're playing DePaul. And so just kind of weathering their runs and being able to respond. Uh th- this this group, uh I- I've been on the call for for Creighton Women's Hoops now for quite a few years. This this one seems maybe the closest that I have watched on the floor. It, it seems like an incredibly unselfish group of women. You, you, you seem to really take joy in the success of your teammates. Uh, I wonder, you know, where this one ranks for you in terms of teams that you have been on over the years and, and how have you been able to build such a, a great group of, you know, with this type of camaraderie uh, as the season has unfolded? Yeah. Um, it's a super fun team to be a part of and it, everyone's really fun to play with. Definitely up there with teams that I played on. You know, I've all the teams I played on, I've enjoyed playing on, um, you know, but this one is special in that we do have that camaraderie and that chemistry. And I feel like a lot of that um, is because we played with each other for a while. You know, I mean, it's only my second season, but there's six of us in the junior class and they had all the freshman year, you know, it's their third year my second year playing with everyone and you can definitely tell that we've had that time to kind of build that chemistry lauren wednesday's game the one uh, versus depaul also took place on national girls and women in sports day it was so cool to see some of the other women's sports uh you know obviously you were probably focused you were in the huddle but they did some really cool stuff in between some of those timeouts well, what did it mean for you getting a chance to play on that day yeah you know it meant everything um to be able to play on a day like that um, you know, obviously to try and be a role model to the young girls out there, um, is huge and just set an example and to be able to play a game and also recognize other Korean women's sports here on campus. It, it was cool. Speaking of being a role model, is that something that you think about? Uh, you know, that, that, do you talk about that with your teammates, with your coaches, um, you know, knowing that there are, you know, many, many little girls in the stands that are, that are watching you thinking, you know, and hoping that they can be in your spot someday? Um, Yeah, for sure. You know, I feel like it's definitely something to be conscious of, um, that people are kind of looking up to you and watching you and just knowing the impact that you have on little girls. You know, I always look back to when I was younger and um, how awesome I thought it was with like the college players and even like high school players. I just look up to them so much. Um, And to now be that for them is cool you know and i try not to take that for granted well lauren before we let you go uh saint john's coming up this weekend i'll be on the call for that one on the biggest digital network with rob sims lost all the way back in december 66 to 62 you yourself had 21 in that game what do you remember about that matchup uh that that you can apply towards this weekend's and, and hopefully pick up a victory yeah um saint john's is a really good a team obviously I think they're what fourth in the biggie so they're right behind us I mean it's a huge game in terms of like conference standings and what it could mean for seeding for the biggest tournament at the end of this month 
Um, and so it's huge from that standpoint. Um, also just cause you know, he lost to him, uh, early on in the season and mm-hmm. want to get him back. But, um, they're a good team. When we played them in December, I remember they were shooting it really well. Um, after most losses, I feel like I can usually be like, there's one or two things where it's like this area, like what that's what we need to be better in. And I feel like it was just kind of a combination of like a lot of things um, over or when we played them the first time. Um, a lot of that too was they're making a lot of shots, but our defense also wasn't the greatest. Um and so I think we'll definitely be more prepared for that this time around. Should be a fun one. Looking forward to being on the call for that one. Lauren Jensen joining us on the pod for the second time this season. Lauren, good uh, good luck this weekend versus St. John's. Great luck the rest of the season. Awesome. Thank you. John, back to you. The Blue Jays currently sit in third place at 9-4. and four. They are a game and a half back of Villanova for second. UConn currently atop the women's standings with a perfect 13-0 and record. The Creighton women will be back in action this weekend on Saturday, 1 o'clock, versus St. John's. That's a big battle for third place as St. John's finds themselves just a half game back of Creighton in the league standings. Welcome back to the 1620 The Jays podcast brought to you by Barry Law. I'm John Bishop, and it is great to have the spring sports getting back into gear and already in this young spring season. I know it seems weird to say spring when it's 18 degrees outside, but men's and women's tennis have begun, and their head coach has just uh, accomplished a pretty significant milestone. In fact, only the fourth Creighton coach in history uh, across all sports to amass at least 500 career coaching victories. And he has been a longtime Blue Jay, former great tennis player, and now the head coach in his 26th season with both the men's and women's teams. Tom Lilly joins us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Tom, welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. 500. What does that mean to you? (laughs) Well, I've I've been telling people uh, that I think it just means I'm getting really old and I've been around a long time. I'm bit of a dinosaur but uh yeah it's uh it's it's a neat deal and for you to I didn't realize I was uh you said fourth all time at Creighton that's uh I'm assuming it's uh service and Vegas. you got one yep you got two um well Mary Higgins there you go uh, yeah, so I, I knew that. I guess I knew that. I didn't See, that's know impressive. Not important. everyone pays attention, but like I said, you've been affiliated with the university for about 33, 34 years now. So you, you, you've you got the institutional knowledge. I've, I've gotten to know all three of those other people pretty well, and they're they're all tremendous. So the, <laughs> to be to be in the, the same breath as those people is uh, our same conversation. That's, that's special. So, yeah. That's okay, great. so I know that on the bio, you know, starting the season, you were at 498. Were you honestly paying attention? Were you aware? Um, yeah, I, w- I was aware be- because I thought it was going to happen last year, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest with you. We had, we had a couple matches that were rained out in, in spring break. We were winning both of them, so uh, I was I was hoping it would be last year, but uh, it's all good. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't something I was paying to paying any attention to while we were while we were competing but uh, I knew it was on the horizon 
Big win over Air Force in, in order to get um, to the honor for the women's team. Uh, talk me through the match that particular day. It was it was close, but uh, but you managed to pull it out. Yeah, it was really a, a great college tennis match. Uh, we we lost the doubles points, unfortunately. In college tennis, you play three doubles matches first, and if you win the majority of them, you get one point. And then you play six singles matches, and they're all worth one point. So we were. We were down after the uh, doubles. Um, Air Force played some great doubles like they always do, and uh, we had to fight back really hard in singles. Our, our number one player actually won the first set and and then uh, hurt, her, hurt herself in the second set, and uh, we actually had, had to stop her match. So uh, that gave them a 2-0 lead, and you know the rest of our girls were, were battling pretty hard in some long matches. So it, it was credit to them. I, I mean, with any coach, you, you only – you only get the wins if the players play well. So that's, that's a big part of it. And the, and the player you're talking about is Kate Kruger, who was a two, who's a two-time all big East selection forced yep. to retire from her match. Do we know, you know, the nature of the injury and, and how long she could be out? Uh, well, we're, we're optimistic. She may be able to play. Um, I, I really won't go into the injury that our next sure. match is against our city rival Omaha. So <laughs> They'll keep it quiet into this and trying to figure that out. So I won't go into the injury, but she she'll be back. Uh, we're, we're hoping for this weekend, but if not, you know, the next weekend, we're pretty optimistic about that. Talk to me about your roster. We'll start on the women's side. Um, I yeah. mentioned Kate, but talk to, talk to me about your roster and, and, and the makeup of your team this year. Yeah, we have, I've been saying this for a while. This is the, the best team that I've coached on paper. Um, we're, we're two and O right now with, uh, two good wins, but, um, you know, it's a very talented lineup. We have, uh, you know, Kate Kruger has been, been at the top of our lineup for the past two or three years. Um, she's a senior now and, and, the, and a local girl, but, uh, um, after that, there's, there's three girls that are really even and they're right behind Kate. It's, it's great. Um, Malva Kashuklis from India and she's, she's had a tremendous career. All she does is win for us wherever we put her. So, she went two and zero last weekend. Um, Valerie Nagan from Colorado is uh, uh, was the Big East uh, freshman of the year last year. Um, so that that was that was special. It's our first uh, all conference freshman of the year. So uh, you know, really proud of her. She's a she's a great player. And we have a girl from from Mexico who's who's also right up there with those top top in, in the top four, uh, Ana Martinez, and she's she's done great. Uh, we have a grad transfer from Bryant University. They were an NCAA team last year, uh, Leanne Kendall. So she's tremendous, maybe the best doubles player I've I've ever had as far as instincts and play up at the net. So she's she's fun to watch. Um, but uh, Bianca Rademacher is a girl from Lincoln, Nebraska. She went to Wichita State for a couple of years and kind of been really plagued by injuries the past two years. And, and uh, not much has changed because she's – She's dealing with injuries right now as well. She she played against North Dakota, but she couldn't go against Air Force for us. Um, and uh, we had another girl. I, I feel like uh, we've been putting our women's team together with duct tape and and uh, whatever else we can we can throw at. Our, our, uh, another potential starter for us was Siri Congera from from Texas, and she's she had ACL surgery last March, so she's finally getting back into things. So, but uh, yeah, we've we, we've got a tremendous women's team and we're excited about this season. If, if, if they can stay healthy, we'll, we'll definitely do some damage. 
And on the men's side, a, a bit of a slower start, but coming off a win a, a couple of days ago against uh, Gustavus Adolphus, and now you head into the month of February. You don't have another match for another few days, about 10 days uh, against Northern Illinois. And I know last spring we had a chance to talk to Matthew Lanahan uh, for a little bit here on the podcast. But what do you like on the men's side? Yeah, the, the men uh, men are you know maybe one of the best teams that I've coached as well on the men's side. The roster's loaded. We have three grad transfers, so that, that that's changed things. I think a lot of coaches are probably saying the same thing, that this is one of their most loaded rosters because of what COVID has done and allowed you to get these guys for, for an extra year. And and, and, our, and our top player is actually in his second extra year because he went to Dartmouth. Um, so they, uh, the Ivy League didn't play those two years for COVID, so he right. got two years. Uh, and he's a, he's been at the top of our lineup. Uh, unfortunately, he uh, hurt his arm during Nebraska. Sounds like uh, we're just loaded with injuries. But he's he's really the only men's player that's that's hurt right now. And it was unfortunate we had to go to North Dakota w- without our top player, and that might have been the difference against North Dakota. We we lost a three and a half hour extremely close match, and uh, we're able to get it back the next day against Gustavus, a really good D three team, but. Uh, yeah, we're we're excited about the men's team as well. It's a, it's a talented group. You, when you look up and down the roster on both teams, yes, there is some local talent. And you mentioned you know Omaha and Lincoln, but you've gone international: uh, Mexico, Japan, Dominican Republic, uh, Spain. Um, plus, you know, kids from the uh, Kansas City area, from from California. Talk to me and talk to the folks about at home about the you know the recruiting in men's and women's tennis and and kind of where how, how things come together because you know we see it in all of our sports you do have to spread your wings your proverbial wings uh to go out and find players but tennis isn't one of the so-called quote-unquote money sports and so you always got to be mindful of budgets and things of that nature how, how do you go about finding players and bringing them in from all over the world country and all over the world actually yeah, well, uh, I guess uh, the internet plays a huge part of that. There's re- uh, recruiting services, so I don't do much traveling, to be honest, with the recruiting. I certainly don't go overseas. We don't we don't have that in our budget to do that. But um, you know, recruiting services, whether I'm getting in touch with uh, kids first, or they sometimes they get in touch with me first. A lot of it's uh, from from the overseas. Um, it would be a recruiting service that, uh, you know, they, they pay a fee for usually and they'll get in touch with me. They, they, uh, know what we're looking for with, with, at Creighton, we got to look for strong academics. Um, you know, and we kind of give them the, uh, level of player that we're looking for. Um, so kind of, kind of works out that way. And then we do, we do a lot of zooms with, uh, when we're recruiting players from overseas. Um, obviously if they're from the States, we, uh, try to bring them in for visits and, in the uh, fall or maybe late summer and just to get to know the campus and the, the players on the team and, and whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's something that's for, for any coach, I guess it's, it's recruiting never ends. <laughs> you're, you're always trying to stay ahead of somebody else. And if you're not doing something one day, you know, somebody else is. So it's a never ending cycle, I guess. We talk about what you look for in an athlete. Obviously the education is always important at Creighton. What are the athletes looking for from Creighton? You know, I, I think uh, most of our players were, were looking for a strong academic school, but uh, they, they also wanted to play Division One tennis. 
Um, they wanted to go to a, a team that has, has a strong culture. Um, you know, I, I kind of downplay how, how long I guess I've, I've been at Creighton, but uh, I, I have heard several of them say, you know, in the past that that was something that they were looking for is uh, stability in the coaching um, aspect of it. And, you know, looking, looking for something where they, they know what, uh, who's going to be their coach for four, for four years. And being that I've been here for 25 as a head coach now, it's uh, something where I guess they're assuming I'm still going to be here, but uh, <laughs> I, I always think getting to know the, the other players and on, on, you know, the players on the team and getting to know them and helps so much. And, and uh, I, I think our players represent Creighton university very well. And it's something that we work hard on with, you know, building a team culture of, of effort and accountability. And, you know, I, I give the team um, some, definitely some leeway on, on how we go about things. I want them to take ownership in the team and, and uh, to help me out that way. So I, I think that's a lot of the things that players are looking for these days. Joined by tennis coach Tom Lilly, who just celebrated his 500th career win, uh, combined men's and women's tennis uh, at Creighton. Joining us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. It's, you know, you have to have great chemistry and you have to have togetherness on any team. But especially in a sport like tennis, I think of tennis, I think of golf. I think of the sports where, you know, there's a lot of van rides. There's a lot of, you know, long trips where you're together a lot. You know, you're not necessarily flying everywhere where you spend a lot of time together learning, learning each other's idiosyncrasies as people and how important, you know, being able to put together a team, you know, it's one thing to go out and play with someone and be a teammate with someone. It's another when you're spending time, that much time together away from just, you know, hitting hitting balls back and forth and practicing and playing your sport is that is that part of the the challenge you know at times when you're when you're putting together a team is to make sure that that everyone is going to fit because of the time that you all have to spend together yeah definitely when when we're recruiting people we we kind of go through that as well that you you want to be a part of a team that you're going to like the the individuals you're with uh, for four years. It, it could be a miserable four years if you don't. And we haven't had. Uh, I can only really recall one one player on the men's side that transferred away, and and one on the women's side that transferred, and she actually came back to us. <laughs> uh, so we've had a good there, but yeah, I spending times in the van, the long van rides. I'm, I, I guess, uh, look at last weekend. Not very. After 25 years, I'm still not good at scheduling. When you go to Grand Forks in late January, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but it's the way it worked out. Um, yeah, and they have to. Uh, one one of the things we talk about is tennis is such an individual sport. Um, sometimes I, I say that tennis players can be selfish because you you grow up as a junior playing tennis and everything's about you. You know, it, it has nothing to do with the team. Maybe in high school, you're part of a team, but it, it's not the same. College tennis is a whole different animal. Um, so when they show up at practice, they have to uh, make sure if, if, they, if they're having a bad day, they got to make sure that their effort stays high because the other person on the other side of the net is supposed to get better that day too, um, or doubles team. So they have to do whatever they can to keep a positive frame of mind and, and work through anything they're dealing with to, to make the rest of the players that are there better. Um, so. Tom, was it your intent? I mean, you you basically started coaching right after your playing days, assistant coach, and then 
eventually transitioned interim coach to the full-time coach. Was it your intent as you were wrapping up your tennis career to continue in the sport as a coach? Yeah, definitely. I I didn't think I was smart enough to do anything besides uh, work, <laughs> work with tennis. So <laughs> I became a tennis pro immediately following college and uh, been working at Oak Hills Country Club for 28 years now. And in the summer months, uh, I don't do any of that the rest of the year because two teams is, is plenty. Right. Um, but I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Coaching is what I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, I was getting getting involved with it as an as a volunteer at Creighton. I basically volunteered for two and a half years. So I paid my dues teaching tennis at night and and uh, volunteering and trying to get into college coaching. And it just so happened that Ed Hubs, who was here for 17 and a half years, decided to retire in 97 and, and on February 1st. So I was basically on an interim basis. And Bruce Rasmussen told me, you know, well, it's kind of going to be a four month interview is what I'm basically dealing with. So that's that's how it went and hired me at the uh, at the end of that 97 spring season. Yeah, been going ever since. Your wife, Jean, is the assistant with the women's team. And I believe if the stats are correct, 273 of your 500 wins are on the women's side. So does does she get credit for more than half? Oh, <laughs> definitely. Wouldn't, wouldn't be wouldn't have been able to do it without her. And it's funny because in 97, I was the assistant coach. Ed was the head coach. So when we were in the Valley, if, if one team was in Evansville, Indiana, the other team was at home playing. So I would be a head coach on the road or, or at home, and he, and he would take the other team. Well, when he was gone, I was a head coach, and I didn't have anybody. Uh, so so Rass, you know, asked me, is there, is there someone you know that knows tennis that can help you out for a semester? And, uh, and Jean was, in, was uh, uh, getting her master's in math. She's a smart one in the family um, <laughs> at Creighton. So she, uh, she said, yeah, I'll, I'll help you with the women's team. So she would take the women's team on the road while I would be at home or, or vice versa. And, and uh, she really liked it. And the girls really liked her. And I'm 100% sure they still like her much more than they like me. But uh, <laughs> it, it's, it seemed to work out very well with, with, the, uh, with the women's team having – having her as my assistant coach and she's been tremendous and, and she loves it. So yeah, we've, we've been enjoying what we've been doing most days, not all days, but most of the time. What do you bet heads on most and not, not over what's for dinner, but what do you bet heads over most? Is there anything in tennis that you guys don't see eye to eye on? <laughs> yeah, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll argue about lineups and different things from time to time. Sure. I think, I think the main thing is she knows how stressed out I can get. Um, and she, and she's, she's a little more relaxed in, in that way. I mean, she wants to win. She's very competitive, but, uh, you know, she's constantly telling me to settle down and different, <laughs> she, she brings me down to earth at times when I, when I need that. And probably when the team needs that too. So, <laughs> yeah, so good both... cop, bad cop, and she's the good cop. You're the bad cop. <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes that's the case. That's the case. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Tom, congratulations on 500 career wins. Congratulations to both of you for everything you've done for Creighton Tennis. And uh, you know, if you keep this up, maybe maybe you can get to a thousand. You, can you can you make a goal to set? set I don't think thousand? that's. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been I've been cheating, by the way, because I coach two teams, so I've, I've got twice the amount of chances. <laughs> Well, Brent had 819 wins with softball. Can you get to 820 so you can be the winningest coach in Creighton history? 
Yeah, we'll see about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, best of luck this season. Uh, we look forward to it. Hopefully, there's going to be some great things coming up in the uh, in the Big East. Uh, Big East tournament, I believe, is coming up in is it April? Uh, yeah, about- toward, towards the end of April in South Carolina. Yeah, we're we're looking forward to that. Well, uh, best wishes to a great season. Good luck uh, to both teams. And we really thank you for your time and joining us here on the 1620 The Jays podcast. Hey, thanks, John. Anytime. I appreciate it. That is Tom Lilly, the head coach of Creighton men's and women's tennis. Uh, The women back on the court on Friday when they are are staying in home, staying at home to battle Omaha, 7 o'clock over at Miracle Hills Tennis Center. And the men will be back in action on February the 10th. And, of course, we'll keep you up to bre- up to date and, up, and abreast of everything that's happening with the results as we uh, head towards Big East Conference and Big East Conference Championship season. Creighton basketball continues on a tear. They are on a five-game win streak. They have put themselves squarely back in the conference race, just a half game back of first place in the league standings. They are one back in the loss column to the co-leaders right now, the Xavier Musketeers and the Marquette Golden Eagles. And, of course, the Jays have a big game coming up this weekend against the Villanova Wildcats as they go for six in a row. Connor Happer now with a look at how these teams are all matching up and how the last third of the season is shaping up in the race for number one in the Big East Conference. Connor? All right, thank you very much, John. Welcome back. More of the 1620 The Jays podcast this week. Uh, Connor Happer with you here. And as we know, we're gearing up for a uh, Big East title run here on the men's basketball side. So I wanted to do a little bit of a, I don't know, statistical breakdown on where the Jays' chances might lie, opportunities they need to take care of um, now that we've started to see a little bit of a separation in the field. What What I've decided to do, as I took the top four teams in the Big East, so in order, um, there's a tie at the top. Now, this is timing is a big part of this. Um, no games on Thursday night in the Big East, um, and just one game of note on, or just one game at all, on Friday in the Big East. So none of the Big Four in action. Um, if you're listening to this on Friday, not much has changed. Saturday, of course, things will change. After Saturday, and Creighton will host Villanova, which is a you know, I think a sneaky tough game as Villanova begins to uh, get a little bit more uh, healthy and they get some of their main guys back. Um, but uh, so we're, we're going to take a look at the Big East. We'll take a look at these top four teams and sort of break down their schedules as we head down the stretch run in the Big East. Creighton's played one less game um, than the other teams. Uh, Xavier Marquette, Providence have played 12. Creighton's played 11. Uh, Xavier Marquette ten and two, top of the league. Providence is uh, is nine and three. Creighton at eight and three at the moment. And then you know not over yet, um, but lurking in the background. Seton Hall seven and five. UConn, which is a dangerous team, obviously. Um, even though they hit a little bit of a skid, um, they're they're six and six right now. So I don't know if you want to count those those teams completely out, but there is a gap there, sort of top half, bottom half of the Big East, the competitive, and then the games that you you need to win. Villanova is in that bottom half, by the way, 4-7 in the league. And they'll they'll give some teams some challenges here down the stretch, and, and that's, I guess, we'll start with Creighton. The bad news for them is is they play Villanova twice, and, and we'll see what happens on Saturday. Um, but this, the 
moral of the story for all of these teams is going to be take care of business against that bottom half of the league. If you see Villanova, St. John's, Butler, DePaul, and Georgetown on your schedule, you'll need to win those games to keep pace with the rest of the pack. The top half, it can go sort of either way. So I pulled a couple stats from, from all these teams. We'll start with the Jays since they're fourth out of the four um, right now, a half game back of, of third place um, in the Big East. So their remaining Creighton's remaining schedule um, sees an average Ken Palm rating, this is once again as of Thursday, um, of just a hair over 74. Um, that's, a, that's a pretty good schedule the remainder of the way, and I think you'll find that over these four teams, Creighton actually sort of – they might have – the, the steepest road um, to get down the, you know, to get it down the stretch here so far. But um, two games against Villanova, one game against UConn. Um, here's the positive part for Creighton. And, and you'll take a look at the records with uh, among the top four teams in, in this sort of category that we're talking about here. Creighton's record against the top four, dead even at two and two right now. Other teams, you know, we'll go through them. Not a whole lot better than that. Creighton's record overall in conference is 8-3. and three. They'll get Providence on the road, a team that they've beat at home already. And they have two remaining games against the top four. Um, and that game against Marquette, um, you know, if you haven't if you haven't started, bookmarked it, highlighted it already, um, do not be busy on February 21st when uh, Marquette comes to Creighton because uh, depending on what happens the next two weeks here, there is going to be a lot on the line. Here's the other thing you notice for the Jays. It tails off late. So um, after the Marquette game, there's three after that for Creighton, Villanova, Georgetown, and DePaul. Those are games where you need to, you know, against that bottom half, and you need to sort of take care of business. But there's a couple opportunities for wins there. Road games against Seton Hall, Providence um, are going to be really tough. And then that home game against Marquette, you obviously, um, you know, circle in red uh, the rest of the way. Not a, not a bad not a bad run here for the Jays, um, but where they're at right now. And I, I, I said it a couple weeks ago, I think they are um, in position to make a run at this thing. Of course, they're one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in the league right now, winning five in a row as everybody sort of evened out in the league right now. Uh, Providence, that, that remaining Kempom, um, uh, you know the opponent remaining Ken Palm rating as of as of Thursday here over eighty almost eighty five. Um, so they're they're a little bit lighter down the stretch. Here's why there's they're lighter. Georgetown twice. Um, you get you get Georgetown two times in the final what one two three four five six seven eight games. That's a <laughs> it's good. Obviously you have to take care of business. Um, but you're when you're in the in the position that. Xavier is in right now. Um, you sort of like what you get there. Other than that, it's quite difficult. Um, that's why that Ken Palm number is getting pulled down a little bit because Georgetown's in two twenties on Ken Palm right now. But man, this is this is a tricky way to finish up for for Providence. St. John, other games not Georgetown. St. John's on the road. Creighton at home. Villanova at home. Uh, UConn on the road. Xavier and Seton Hall at home. Those are, um, you know, those are top. Xavier, Seton Hall, Creighton, uh, and UConn are all top half teams, and then there's two remaining against the top four. The good thing for Providence is 
when you talk about those top four teams, Creighton, Xavier, both at home. Their record against the top four so far, by the way, one and three. But they do own that win over Marquette. Um, yeah, that overtime win that they got way, way back in uh, in December. So not a, not a bad road for Providence either. Let's take a look at Marquette, who's you know quietly I think been pretty consistently the best team in the league uh, this season. Ten and two right now, tied at top of the conference. Uh, two and two against the top four. They've split their schedule in, in in sort of an interesting way, where you know I mean for example Creighton. It was the first conference game of the year. Things are completely different. Things are obviously completely different for, for Creighton, and, and I'm certain they are for Marquette as well. They're remaining Ken Palm at 87, average of 87. So if you're going to knock Marquette off, you're going to have to, um, you know, there there's a couple games that are going to be highlighted here where they're going to have to do it because there's a lot of here in here against the bottom half of the league. UConn on the road, Xavier at home, Creighton on the road are all really, really tricky. Um, two games still against the top four at Creighton. We, you know, we talked about it a little bit before. They still have a road game against Georgetown. Creighton just experienced that the other night. It can be tricky in different ways than Big East road games are usually tricky. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's going to be sleepy. There's not going to be very many people there. Um, so that's something to keep in mind with with Georgetown. If they can catch anybody, that'd be huge, of course, for anybody in the top four. Um, that's not you know that's not that team uh, in the league. So sort of an up and down, you know, split schedule for Marquette. But like I said, a lot of this is just simply how you're playing as well. Uh, Marquette pretty consistently, like I said, want you know been the best team in the league this year, um, and as a Sort of take a look at them right now. They've won four in a row. Um, you know, only losses in conference to, to, to top two teams, Xavier and Providence, uh, or, you know, top four teams, Xavier and Providence. But a lot of wood left to hack uh, down the stretch for Marquette, but they, I would give them the advantage right now as far as the team that is most likely to win the league title. And then there's Xavier who has a couple different things that they're dealing with. Number one, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a tricky slate here down the stretch. Uh, they're, they've, they've double played Georgetown already. Um, just as Creighton has done. Um, they, they'll, they'll still go to Marquette. Um, and they'll still go to Seton hall and they'll still go to Providence, uh, for Xavier. And they'll do it all without Zach Fremantle in the middle. And that's going to be, you know, another thing now, fortunately they're one of the few teams in the country that has the, uh, that has a luxury of having a guy like Fremantle and then Nunji as well, but they work as a double, you know, they, they work as a tandem. So this is a tricky, tricky run here for Xavier in February and into March, 10 and two in the league right now. They've, they've done a lot of work already three and one against the top four. Um, but you still have trips, to Marquette, you still have a trip to Providence. You still have a trip to Seton Hall, who could pick somebody off with their defense. Um, and, you know, other than that, it's St. John's, Butler, DePaul, Villanova at home once, and then uh, Butler to finish up the season at home. But that their, their stretch is going to be decided by how they perform in those three pivotal road games. So, I mean, there's still a lot of time left here. Like I said... Win games that you're supposed to win and then try and grind out some games 
against those top four. That's going to be the tricky part. Each of these teams has sort of their – Marquette, like I said, has been sort of the most consistent. Um, they've had ups and downs. They've had sort of issues. I don't – I'll say this. I don't think any of these teams in the four, in the top four that we've talked about, Xavier, Marquette, Providence, Creighton, are just simply above going on the road and losing to – a bottom half team like a like a St. John's or a Butler or a Georgetown even. Um, so largely the league title, the outright league title on uh, the regular season league title is going to be decided by a game like that um, because there's not a lot of wiggle room in that top four right now. Xavier and Marquette with a little bit of an advantage. Like I said, Marquette with the game advantage over Providence and the game and a half over Creighton tied with Xavier, but then they have the you know, the, the Fremantle thing that Xavier is going to have to adjust to as well. We've seen some great stuff already um, in this league. I just, I, I'm doing this because I think Creighton has a legit shot to, to you know, to win the, the Big East. Um, and I don't think enough people are talking about it right now. They've really, I mean, we talk about that stat in the NCAA tournament every year where, you know, one of the teams that that can win national championships, you're you're basically a top thirty offense and a top thirty defense. Ken Palm right now, Creighton's t- the number twenty eight offense in the country, adjusted efficiency, the number seventeen defense. They are rolling up that defense right now. So um, you get through. I love the fact that Creighton gets UConn on a Saturday at home. That's a good deal for them. Um, and then that Marquette game is going to be huge on the twenty first of February. But like I said, a lot of a lot of wood left to chop here in the Big East season, but uh, that's where we at. That's where we're at as we begin to come down the stretch um, from the mountain here, as we start to turn our attention to some brackets and, and potentially, uh, hopefully, almost for sure, the NCAA tournament. Okay, that's it for me uh, this week. Hope you enjoyed the rest of the pod. We will send it back to John Bishop. John. We'll have coverage of Creighton and Villanova starting at 5 p.m. Saturday night with Ravi Lula and Blue Jay Shootaround. And then we will have the call from CHI Health Center at 6.30. And don't forget, it is a stripe-out game. Make sure you check the maps that are going around on social media and make sure you're wearing the proper color clothing, either blue or white, as we try to stripe out the arena for national television. Again, 6.30 for tomorrow night and check out the social media pages gocrayton.com as well to find out which section will be wearing which color white or blue elsewhere in creighton athletics friday night women's tennis takes on omaha as tom lily goes for career win number 501 women's and men's cross country will be participating in the alumni meet this saturday Also coming up on Saturday, women's basketball, 1 o'clock tip-off from Sokol Arena against St. John's. Women's tennis, another match with Bradley, home match. That'll be Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Again, the men's basketball team taking on the Villanova Wildcats, 6.30 on 16.20 The Zone and 101.9 The Keg with women's golf at the Motor City Classic. That will begin Sunday morning at 7 AM. And that's a look at your weekend schedule in Creighton Athletics. The 1620 to Jays podcast is brought to you by Barry Law. Your most important assets are your body, your mind, and your future. When those are jeopardized by an injury that isn't your fault, you need to fight back and regain your life. 
Call Barry Law at 402-999-7777 or visit BarryLawFirm.com. At Barry Law, we help defend the rights of those in need at Barry Law. We are in it to win it. For my colleagues, Josh Peterson and Connor Happer, I'm John Bishop. The 1620 The Jays podcast is a co-presentation of Creighton University Athletics and NRG Media Omaha. Omaha.